0: The Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style,
1: from a wide variety of life circumstances,
0: all the way from palace thrones and bedrooms, to the
1: dungeons down in the palace basement.
0: From seashores to mountain tops.
1: And to the backsides of dry desert wasteland.
0: In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous.
1: Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives, here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God Himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever.
0: Now, here's the host of A Bible Live, Sophie Dollar.
2: Welcome to The Bible Live. I am eager, as always, to be with you this evening and spend some time in the Scriptures. Just visiting with my wife and our son Sean came over to supper tonight. We were talking about the fact that almost every night, just a few exceptions through the years, I have been opening my Bible in front of me and getting a chance to actually listen to the Scriptures with you. Getting to know the God of the Bible. Thank you for the privilege of spending this time with you. I hope you'll let fellow believers know, your friends, your family members, your neighbors, people you work with, folks you go to school with, your church, Sunday school class. Let them know there's a place where they can hear the Bible live each and every evening, the entire Bible every year. Tonight we're going to start a brand new book. We're making progress. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers are under the belt for this year, and now we'll start the book of Deuteronomy tonight. Right now, though, let's go to Psalm 35. It is a prayer for God to help us when we are being injured by others. Psalm 35, verses 10 through 28. I will praise Him from the bottom of my heart. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the weak and helpless from the strong? Who else protects the poor and needy from those who want to rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of things I don't even know about. They repay me with evil for the good I do. I am sick with despair. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I even fasted and prayed for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They hurl slander at me continually. They mock me with the worst kind of profanity, and they snarl at me. How long, O Lord, will you look on and do nothing? Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect my life from these lions. Then I will thank you in front of the entire congregation. I will praise you before all the people. Don't let my treacherous enemies rejoice over my defeat. Don't let those who hate me without cause gloat over my sorrow. They don't talk of peace. They plot against innocent people who are minding their own business. They shout that they have seen me doing wrong. Aha, they say, aha. With our own eyes we saw him do it. Oh, Lord, you know all about this. Do not stay silent. Don't abandon me now, O Lord. Wake up. Rise to my defense. Take up my case, my God and my Lord. Declare me not guilty, O Lord, my God, for you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me and my troubles. Don't let them say, look, we have what we wanted. Now we will eat him alive. May those who rejoice at my troubles be humiliated and disgraced. May those who triumph over me be covered with shame and dishonor. But give great joy to those who have stood with me in my defence. Let them continually say, Great is the Lord who enjoys helping his servant. Then I will tell everyone of your justice and goodness, and I will praise you all day long. End of reading Psalm thirty five verses ten through
0: twenty eight. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy
2: Dollar. Class reunions, photo albums, old familiar songs from our youth, old neighborhoods. Our past, all of us, is a kaleidoscope of promises. And of course, the older you get, the further behind some of those experiences get, those memories. Sometimes we want to forget memories that are too painful. As the years pass, however, remembrances of unpleasant events usually fade into our subconscious. But there is a time to remember. When I was at my class reunion, I met one of the boys at the ranch, Mike Rust is his name. I was picking on someone smaller than me, and I, I just felt so bad about it all these years. And I saw Mike after all those years and asked him to forgive me, believe it or not, and he didn't even remember it. And it's something that things that we remember, that are so important to us, and yet to someone else it didn't seem to matter. Well, there is a time to remember. Mistakes should not be repeated. Commitments made should be fulfilled. I reminded many of the boys at the ranch, at the orphanage where I grew up, of the commitments we all made together to serve God, to walk with Christ. So many of them have kept that commitment and still walk with the Lord. It's the memory of special events as well that can encourage us and move us to action. Well, I'm talking about that because the book of Deuteronomy is written somewhat in this style. The name itself means the second law. And it's not really the second law, but it's the second giving of the law to the people of Israel. Remember that Moses presented the covenant to the people of Israel when they first came out of Egypt at the base of Mount Sinai. But this is a whole new generation of Israelites. He's presenting and reviewing a second time the covenant between the nation of Israel and God. This document is written in the technical form of a treaty between a king and his vassal state. Typical of the second millennium B.C. There were many of these, and you could readily and easily see the style. There's a reviewing of the past. It calls on Israel to remember who God is and what he has done. The old generation had wandered for 40 years on what should have been an 11-day journey. They left Egypt behind but never knew the promised land. Then on the east bank of the Jordan River, now Moses prepares the sons and daughters of that faithless generation to go in and possess the land. So we'll begin with a history lesson, emphasizing God's great acts on behalf of his people. Then he'll review the law itself and restate the covenant, God's contract with the people of Israel. Let's listen and learn tonight as the Bible line presents the opening chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1 through 317, Deuteronomy 1. This book records the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suth, between Paran on one side and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dezahab on the other. Normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Mount Sinai, on a day in midwinter, Moses gave these speeches to the Israelites, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. This was after he had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who had ruled in Heshbon, and King Ag of Bashan, who had ruled in Ashtaroth and Edrei. So Moses addressed the people of Israel while they were in the land of Moab, east of the Jordan River. He began to explain the law as follows. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. At that time I told you, You are too great a burden for me to carry all by myself. The Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars, and may the Lord the God of your ancestors multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he promised. But how can I settle all your quarrels and problems by myself? Choose some men from each tribe who have wisdom, understanding, and a good reputation, and I will appoint them as your leaders. You agreed that my plan was a good one, so I took the wise and respected men you had selected from your tribes and appointed them to serve as judges and officials over you. Some were responsible for a thousand people, some for a hundred, some for fifty, and some for ten. I instructed the judges, you must be perfectly fair at all times, not only to fellow Israelites, but also to the foreigners living among you. When you make decisions, never favor those who are rich. Be fair to lowly and great alike. Don't be afraid of how they will react, for you are judging in the place of God. Bring me any cases that are too difficult for you, and I will handle them.
1: You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar.
2: And at that time, I gave you instructions about everything you were to do. Then, just as the Lord our God directed us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, which you yourselves saw, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Cetus Barnea, I said to you, You have now reached the land that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed it in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you responded, First, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and decide which towns we should capture. This seemed like a good idea to me, so I chose twelve scouts, one from each of your tribes. They crossed into the hills and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us. And they reported that the land the Lord our God has given us was indeed a good land. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You murmured and complained in your tents and said, The Lord must hate us, bringing us here from Egypt to be slaughtered by these Amorites. How can we go on? Our scouts have demoralized us with their report. They say that the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are, and that the walls of their towns rise high into the sky. They have even seen giants there, the descendants of Anak. But I said to you, don't be afraid. The Lord your God is going before you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you again and again, here in the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place, but even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. When the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, Not one of you from this entire wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely. I will give to him and his descendants some of the land he walked over during his scouting mission. And the Lord was also angry with me because of you. He said to me, You will never enter the promised land. Instead, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. Encourage him as he prepares to enter it. I will give the land to your innocent children. You were afraid they would be captured. But they will be the ones who occupy it. As for you, turn around now and go on back through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Then you confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go into the land and fight for it, as the Lord our God has told us. So your men strapped on their weapons, thinking it would be easy to conquer the hill country. But the Lord said to me, Tell them not to attack, for I will not go with them. If they do, they will be crushed by their enemies." This is what I told you, but you would not listen. Instead, you again rebelled against the Lord's command and arrogantly went into the hill country to fight. But the Amorites who lived there came out against you like a swarm of bees. They chased and battered you all the way from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but he refused to listen. So you stayed there at Kadesh for a long time.
1: You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar.
2: Deuteronomy 2. Then we turned around and set out across the wilderness toward the Red Sea, just as the Lord had instructed me, and we wandered around Mount Seir for a long time. Then at last the Lord said to me, You have been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn northward. Give these orders to the people. You will be passing through the country belonging to your relatives, the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. The Edomites will feel threatened, so be careful." Don't bother them, for I have given them all the hill country around Mount Seir as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. Pay them for whatever food or water you use. The Lord your God has blessed everything you have done and has watched your every step through this great wilderness. During these forty years, the Lord your God has been with you and provided for your every need so that you lacked nothing." So we went past our relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and avoided the road through the Arabah Valley that comes up from Alath and Ezion-Geber. Then as we traveled northward, along the desert route through Moab, the Lord warned us, Do not bother the Moabites, the descendants of Lot, or start a war with them. I have given them Ar as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. A numerous and powerful race of giants called the Emites had once lived in the area of Ar, They were as tall as the Anakites, another race of giants. Both the Emites and the Anakites are often referred to as the Rephaites, but the Moabites call them Emites. In earlier times, the Horites had lived in Mount Seir, but they were driven out and displaced by the descendants of Esau. In a similar way, the peoples in Canaan were driven from the land that the Lord had assigned to Israel. Moses continued, Then the Lord told us to cross the Zered Brook, and we did. So thirty-eight years passed from the time we first arrived at Kadesh Barnea until we finally crossed Zered Brook. For the Lord had vowed that this could not happen until all the men old enough to fight in battle had died in the wilderness. The Lord had lifted his hand against them until all of them had finally died. When all the men of fighting age had died, the Lord said to me, Today you will cross the border of Moab at Ar and enter the land of Ammon. But do not bother the Ammonites, the descendants of Lot, or start a war with them. I have given the land of Ammon to them as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. That area too was once considered the land of the Rephaites, though the Ammonites referred to them as Zamzunites. They were a numerous and powerful race, as tall as the Anakites. But the Lord destroyed them so the Ammonites could occupy their land. He had similarly helped the descendants of Esau at Mount Seir, for he destroyed the Horites so they could settle there in their place. The descendants of Esau live there to this day, A similar thing happened when the Kaphtarites from Crete invaded and destroyed the Avites, who had lived in villages in the area of Gaza. Moses continued, Then the Lord said, Now cross the Arnon Gorge. Look, I will help you defeat Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and I will give you his land. Attack him and begin to occupy the land. Beginning today, I will make all people throughout the earth terrified of you. When they hear reports about you, they will tremble with dread and fear. Then from the wilderness of Kedemoth I sent ambassadors to King Sihon of Heshbon with this proposal of peace. Let us pass through your land. We will stay on the main road and won't turn off into the fields on either side. We will pay for every bite of food we eat and all the water we drink. All we want is permission to pass through your land. The descendants of Esau at Mount Seir allowed us to go through their country... And so did the Moabites, who live in Ar. Let us pass through until we cross the Jordan into the land the Lord our God has given us. But King Sihon refused to allow you to pass through, because the Lord your God made Sihon stubborn and defiant, so he could help you defeat them, as he has now done. Then the Lord said to me, Look, I have begun to hand King Sihon and his land over to you. Begin now to conquer and occupy his land. Then King Sihon declared war on us and mobilized his forces at Jahaz. But the Lord our God handed him over to us, and we crushed him, his sons, and all his people. We conquered all his towns and completely destroyed everyone, men, women, and children. Not a single person was spared. We took all the livestock as plunder for ourselves, along with anything of value from the towns we ransacked. The Lord our God helped us conquer Aror on the edge of Arnon Gorge, the town in the gorge, and the whole area as far as Gilead. No town had walls too strong for us. However, we stayed away from the Ammonites along the Jabbok River and the towns in the hill country, all the places the Lord our God had commanded us to leave alone.
1: You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar.
2: Deuteronomy 3. Next we headed for the land of Bashan, where King Og and his army attacked us at Adre. But the Lord told me, Do not be afraid of him, for I have given you victory over Og and his army, giving you his entire land. Treat him just as you treated King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. So the Lord our God handed King Og and all his people over to us, and we killed them all. We conquered all sixty of his towns, the entire Argob region in his kingdom of Bashan. These were all fortified cities with high walls and barred gates. We also took many unwalled villages at the same time. We completely destroyed the kingdom of Bashan, just as we had destroyed King Sihon of Heshbon. We destroyed all the people in every town we conquered, men, women, and children alike, but we kept all the livestock for ourselves and took plunder from all the towns. We now possessed all the land of the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, from the Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is called Syrian by the Sidonians, The Amorites call it Senir. We had now conquered all the cities of the plateau, and all Gilead and Bashan as far as the towns of Salikah and Adre, which were part of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Incidentally, King Og of Bashan was the last of the giant Rephaids. His iron bed was more than thirteen feet long and six feet wide. It can still be seen in the Ammonite city of Rabah. When we took possession of this land, I gave the territory beyond Aror along the Arnon gorge, plus half of the hill country of Gilead with its towns, to the tribes of Reuben and Gad. Then I gave the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, Og's former kingdom, to the half-tribe of Manasseh. The Argob region of Bashan used to be known as the land of the Rephites. Jair, a leader from the tribe of Manasseh, acquired the whole Argob region in Bashan, all the way to the borders of the Gersherites and Machathites. Jair renamed this region after himself, calling it the towns of Jair, as it is still known today. I gave Gilead to the clan of Machir, and to the tribes of Reuben and Gad I gave the area extending from Gilead to the middle of the Arnon Gorge, all the way to the Jabbok River on the Ammonite frontier. They also received the Jordan Valley, including the Jordan River and its eastern banks, all the way from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea, with the slopes of Pisgah on the east. End of reading, Deuteronomy 1.1 through 3.17. to God's talk show, The Bible Live. Hello, everyone. You heard tonight the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 1 through 3. Moses would speak to a group of leaders. They would take his words back and repeat the messages to smaller and smaller groups. The messages were passed along in that way. The events of the book of Deuteronomy The book itself only covers a period of maybe a week or perhaps two in the life of Israel. Everything that we're reading about now in the book of Deuteronomy takes place in a week or two of the 11th month of the 40th year. The 12th month of that 40th year is spent in mourning for Moses when he dies. Then the Israelites entered the promised land the first month of the 41st year after the exodus. Moses begins his presentation here, and as I've mentioned before, in a very technical format. This is presented in the form of a covenant between a conquering king and his vassal state, a conquered people. It begins with a review of the relationship, the things that had happened. And so Moses is giving this short review of God's dealings with him. As he begins this review, it does not begin in Egypt. He begins at the base of Mount Sinai because that is where God made the covenant with the people. That's where Israel became a nation with a covenant relationship with God. That if they would obey his commands, then he would preserve them, protect them, guide them, and bless them. And use them as an instrument of blessing and illumination for all the nations of the earth that is fulfilled in part by their witness to the true and living God through the centuries there in Israel. As the empires of the world rose and fell around them, Israel stood there consistently, well, often not so consistently, but always at least a remnant holding up the image and the vision of the true and living God, a God who is merciful, redemptive, and forgiving, but at the same time holy and just, who condemns sin and who punishes sin. But ultimately, the greatest blessing they would be is as they become the conduit or the ancestors of the Messiah, this leader, this redeemer who was to come, and we know now to have been Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, who became the definitive sacrifice for our sin and made the way possible for every man, woman, child on planet Earth, 14, 15 billion people that have lived on planet Earth all these centuries, everyone who has sought God and loved God and desired God can come into a relationship with God only because of that one, that Messiah, the one called Jesus. So Moses begins recounting the history of the people. And it's not just a matter of transportation. In fact, it would have taken the Israelites only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. It was an 11-day journey, but they spent 40 years So you have to understand that his primary goal was not transportation, it was transformation. He was forming and building and shaping a people for himself. He was teaching them who he was about themselves, people who were fallen, who were sinful, prone to rebellion and doubt, and he gave this rebellious people the law to help them understand their sin and help them understand what God required, and then he made a provision He taught them through the sacrificial system that it was through mercy and grace that sin has a penalty, but that God was willing to pay that penalty and restore them to a right relationship with him. All of that was picturing the work of the Messiah. The same thing is going on with us. God is working in our world today. He is fashioning and shaping a people for himself. We are ending our program tonight after this reading from the first three chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. It's going to be very interesting to read the rest of this covenant. Remember, Deuteronomy means the second law, the giving of the law a second time now to the second generation of Israelites after coming out of Egypt. The great principle is that they were brought out of Egypt to go into the promised land. You're not just out of sin so you can go to heaven. You're out of sin so that you can now begin to walk as God's people, as free people, as a holy people glorifying to the Lord. That is the purpose we've been redeemed. I hope that you'll live and walk in that truth. We'll see you next time here on The Bible Live.
1: The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, PO Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com.